Well, I don't know how you follow that. But we'll keep trying to have some church up in here. So um, as we continue on, I just want to uh, thank the Ugandan Children's Choir. They've been absolutely fantastic, and um, we've had several families from the church I want to thank who have housed them, and you know they've just been a real blessing to those families and to the church, and so it's just been awesome just having around and feeling that energy has been great. Uh, I also want to really quickly introduce you to a friend of mine. Um, you know, one of the, really the core values that we started Westridge on is, I mean, we really set out to create a church that was different, and part of that is that we really wanted to create a church that celebrates and embraces diversity, and so when I was hanging out with a couple pastors down in Houston, and this guy from Virginia rolls up and um, starts hanging out with us, and I get to know him I realized, and it didn't take long to figure out, this guy's the real deal. He's dedicated his life to racial reconciliation and how to create a quality around uh, diversity. And um, so it just so happened, and I think it's a God thing, that uh, David happened to be in Chicago this weekend uh, speaking at another conference. And uh, so it didn't take me two seconds to say, hey man, come speak at Westridge on Sunday if you're free. And he uh, graciously accepted. So um, I'm really excited to introduce you to uh, our speaker for this morning and my friend, David Bailey. How y'all doing today? That's good. Are y'all a little more responsive than the earlier service? I guess you woke up a little bit. All right, so this is real important. I got 18 minutes. And I grew up in the uh, African-American preaching tradition. So 18 minutes, it takes like 18 minutes just to clear your throat, you know? (laughs) So so here's a couple of things that you could do. Um, One, just just give me some feedback. If there's something that resonates with you, you can say amen. And the cross-cultural example uh, equivalent of that is just going like this. Mm. Okay? (laughs) All right. So so uh, thank you, Darren, for inviting me. Thank you all so much for uh, trusting me just to speak into uh, this community. So say, with, say, with, say this with me. We are pilgrims on the way to the city of God. All right, one more time. We're pilgrims on the way to the city of God. Yeah, so we, we are pilgrims on the way to the city of God. I want to share a little bit about uh, just about community, Eastern Fellowship. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. The neighborhood in which I, I, uh, I live, this community is, is in, Richmond was the capital of the Confederacy. So we actually um, have a uh, monument um, down our street of Confederate generals that lost the war, right? I don't know if you get that, but, you know. <laughs> but that's like a thing in Richmond, right? Like, um, and so, you know, th- there's, there's a history there of divided uh, city, a racially divided, socioeconomically divided city, and particularly my neighborhood is where the war was fought. It was where um, seven blocks from where we live, my wife and I live, there is um, St. John's Church where Patrick Henry gave his give me liberty, give me death speech. And right down while he was giving that speech, they were selling slaves um, all across the country and the world. And so this is this this community right here was birthed out of this narrative of division. And we, we realized that, you know what, 
there's a lot of brokenness going on in our community, and the church should be a part of the solution. I mean, can I get an amen on that? So if you look in this picture, you see some people who are homeless people. You see some millionaires. You see uh, people who uh, were born as trust fund babies, and some were born as crack babies. It's, it's a very diverse community. And this is something that's really, really unfortunate. As I go around, and I talk about this around the country, this kind of church is an anomaly. Most churches, um, people are the same racially, ethnically, especially socioeconomically. So I want to point us to some scriptures that can kind of help us figure out how do we do something different than what's been done before. Here it says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Let me say it one more time. We're pilgrims on the way to the city of God. So let me just give you a little bit of context to the scripture. This is um, a song written for the book of Psalms. And this is actually what they call a song of of ascent. So just imagine the children of Israel um, being in a country the size of Illinois. And everybody in this country takes a pilgrimage to downtown Chicago so they could worship God. It's not like like coming to church every Sunday for seven days a week. There were certain times out the year you would come down to worship God and you didn't have a car, so you had to walk. You had to maybe take a, a horse or a mule or something of that nature. But this is a very, very long journey. It could take you not, it could take you a day or two. It could also take you two or three weeks. And what we do when we go on journeys to kill time, we sing songs, right? We see like road songs and things of that nature. And that's kind of what they would do. They would sing as they're walking, uh, pilgriming towards the city of God to go worship God. And, and, and these psalms were actually kind of giving us context clues about what to say. Like, how do we prepare for being a city of God? And what we just read in the scripture was that unity is one of the key elements in our preparation for the city of God. One thing that's real important for us to understand is that we oftentimes see unity, the way to achieve that is unity through assimilation versus unity and diversity. If you think about a church, you know, most churches have this type of thing, this kind of box that they fit in, and they say, you got to fit into this box in order to really be a part of our community. We say, technically, all people are welcome. But when they all people come, they're like, ah, oh, well, we kind of need you to do this wear a tie, you know, put the jacket on or, you know, get some skinny jeans and some mousse in your hair or like whatever the, like, whatever the case is, you know, in order for you to fit in. And, and that's not the way the Christian community should be. Here's the big problem that we have. Eight and a half out of ten churches are divided across racial lines. So that means if you were to go to the first eight churches Maybe nine 
they will all be divided across racial lines. The church um, building, like people that gather in those buildings in most churches are more divided than the neighborhood, 10 times more divided than the neighborhood that the actual church building is in. And it's 20 times more divided, uh, segregated than the neighborhood school. So this is a big problem. It's a huge problem because Jesus prayed in his prayer. He said, God, I, I pray for those that would believe the testimonies of my disciples, that they would be one like you and my father, you and the father, like we're one. He prayed this because he said, you know what? The world, people who don't believe in Jesus will believe in the claims of Jesus because of the unity that they see amongst us in this community. And yet, eight and a half out of ten churches divide across racial lines. And then when you think about socioeconomically, affluent people tend to go to church with affluent people, poor people tend to go to church with poor people, and there just aren't um, a lot of mixture. In this scripture, it tells us that unity is like an anointing oil that it's being poured on the head of this priest Aaron. And so in the scripture, anointing oil is oftentimes a, 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 a sign of God's grace being put on somebody to, to lead, to actually not just, it could be a king, but also like priests. They were supposed to lead in a special way. And, and, and priests have this gift of being the mediators between God and people. And so there was this high priest. It was like one person that was the mediator uh, between God and the people of God. And his name was Aaron. And they refer to him um, in this text. Well, you know, if we continue to follow the biblical narrative, Jesus becomes that high priest. And this is how Jesus is flipping this whole thing. Jesus says, that he dies for our sins and he brings us all into community. And so you don't have like one person that is um, a priest for everybody. Jesus becomes that priest for everybody. And what he does is bring us all to be the priesthood of all believers. So all of us in this room are priests. All of us, to say in another word, uh, in another way, all of us are mediators between God and people that don't know God. That puts a lot of pressure on us, right? You know, we're representing the way that God is perceived out in this world. And it's not just us as individuals, it's us as a community. So when Jesus is praying for us, he's praying, he said, you know, God, this whole idea, I'm about to die on the cross and for people's sins, and people don't even quite understand the whole concept of sin yet. And so... I know this claim is going to sound kind of ridiculous. If you sit back and think about it, you know, some, a person dying for our sins just doesn't necessarily make sense. The need for grace doesn't necessarily make sense on the first hear of it. But what, what gives validity to that is when you see somebody that doesn't look like they should be close friends or family with this person, that gives validity, validation to the claims of what Jesus 
has done. I 100% believe that Jesus died for our sins and that we are people of grace. But like Philip Yancey says, diversity is the testing ground of grace. It's the place that we really see like, man, has really Jesus done this work? And this is really powerful. I really believe that it is powerful. And I just believe that we just haven't had the courage and the wisdom to go on a journey to become people um, preparing for the city of God. And so this is like what Darren said, like, I, you know, I, I give my life to really help the body of Christ in this, this way. So something happened on my little, all right, here we go. So I, I don't know if y'all ever had this um, question in your life where you're just like, here's, a, here's something I want to ask God when I uh, go to heaven. And one of the questions that I've always wondered is like, God, why do you give me the ability to grow a beard, right? Because <laughs> I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like, it's like a room full of guys. There's always this question about like, who's the most manliest man, right? And the guy with the thickest beard is always assumed to be the most manliest man. Like, he could wrestle a bear, chop down a tree with an axe, like, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I could play the saxophone, like, you know, <laughs> I'm just not in that competition, you know? But you know what's kind of associated with um, beards is really, it's, it's about maturity, right? Like, there's this thought that, that adolescent boys can't uh, grow beards. Even like grown adult men can't always grow beards either. But, but for the most part, there comes a place in your life where you grow to the place where you, you can act like an adult. And unity is one of those things where it takes maturity in order to participate and have unity and diversity. That means you just can't get everything that you want when you want it. When you're a baby and you cry, you know, the world, you think the world revolves around you. As you get older, you know, people just realize, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't whine and cry and have everything the way I want it every single time. So one of the, the marks of the spirit being at work in community is that we begin to prefer one another more than we prefer ourselves. We begin to have unity and diversity and see the glory of God bigger than our own personal preferences. Y'all just say one more time with me. We're pilgrims on the way to the city of God. Y'all still with me? You waking up yet? Good. So as we continue to read in this text, it says that in this journey, unity, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Israel, Jerusalem, it's in the middle of a desert. There's a lot of dry places. And so, like, waterfall, rain is not like a common thing. In many ways, you know, the one way that people can get water is by the mountain top, the, 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 the water melting from the snow that's going, uh, like, on Mount Hermon and Mount Zion. And some of that, that water can kind of come into this dry place. This is what this analogy is talking about, saying that unity 
is like water in a dry place. Now, I'm really glad that the Uganda Children's Choir is here, and, and, and what I'm saying, I'm about to say, it's really an and both statement. But a lot of times, we look at global poverty, and we forget about our domestic brokenness that's going on here in our community. There's a lot of brokenness going on in the world. And, and, and Jesus, when he was about to leave, he said it like this. He said, you shall receive power by the spirit when the spirit comes. And you should, like, practice it first in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, you know, we might, you know, for here, because this is a suburb, you know, this is your Jerusalem. But Samaria is kind of like this, this place that's not as... Um, far away, but people are different than you. They could be socioeconomically different than you. They could be racially. They could be, um, you know, you could be uh, not deal with addiction or somebody else deals with addiction. But this whole idea that there are dry places in our community that need some fresh water. And, and the only way that we could see that is by having unity and diversity, by seeing things in different perspectives. You know, one of the reasons why there are dry places in the inner city is because we've defined success by the three B's, buildings, butts, and budgets. We've defined, basically, a successful church is the church with the biggest building, the most amount of people, the biggest budgets. And so then inner city communities are oftentimes overlooked as a result because it's not a profitable place. We plant churches in the areas where they could be economically sustainable. And so then it doesn't even fall into our radar until something like Ferguson or Baltimore or Trayvon Martin or um, uh, any of these uh, cities come on the news cycle and we're like, oh, you know, man, that's really tough going on over there. You know, you, 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 might, be brokenhearted. you might be brokenhearted by it, or you might even just, just kind of be indifferent about it. Whatever the case may be, in most churches, this is not on our radar. This is a dry space. And my, like my friend said, Jonathan Brooks, who pastors a church in, um, here in Chicago, he says, there aren't any God-forsaken places, only church-forsaken places. And so one of the things that God is calling us to do is to find these dry places within our community and to begin to express unity and diversity and, 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 and begin to bring a little heaven on earth. Jesus prayed and taught us, when, taught us when he taught his disciples how to pray. He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray as a Christian community, we are supposed to be the agents of bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not going to be a resort. It's going to be a city. A city that, that, that no longer has economic divisions. A city that, that no longer has racial and ethnic divisions. A city where, where God takes all of his children and, and says, hey, I know that this world was very hard and it was very, very broken, but there's no need to cry because all things are reconciled. 
And because this is the prayer that we're supposed to be praying, we need to really contextualize that and say, God, the city of God that's going on right now in heaven, can you bring that down into this community? Can you bring that down here in Chicago? And we need to begin to look for ways to collaborate with one another to bring in God's kingdom to our communities. I thought I'd at least get one amen on that. Can I get one amen on this section right here? Unity is really how we achieve this. One of the cities that I really admire the most, I've never been there before, but I really would have liked to go at some point, is Dubai. Because Dubai is a city in the middle of a desert. Somebody had a vision for something that did not exist. Somebody said, hey, you know, when, when, when people say, it's no way that you could build a city in the middle of a desert. They said, you know what? Yes, we can. I, I, I think that Christian communities should be building places like Dubai within their own community. Where they have these dry spaces. And the only way that there's going to be any kind of refreshing water is when the church begins to practice unity and diversity, listening to one another's stories and saying, like, how can we bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? Now, again, like, I, like, like Darren said earlier, and this is what my life's work is. And one of the most just joyous, rewarding times of my year is when I get a chance to um, do this urban songwriting internship program. You know, one of the dry spaces that I saw in my community was that there um, is a, a, a void in healthy urban music. Music that's building bridges, that's telling new narratives, that's giving hope, that, that's not that's not degrading women, that's not glorifying violence, that's not um, speaking speaking truth to, to, to some of the, the brokenness that's going on and not glorifying that. And then, like, when we started our church, you know, we either had old school gospel or we had this guy named, like, Chris Tomlin, right? Like, <laughs> and, and when brothers would come off the street corner and they're, like, they're 20, 16, 17, 20 years old, they're like, man, what is this with the acoustic guitar and all that stuff? Like, they just couldn't connect with it. So we began to, to imagine, said, hey, you know what? There are a lot of different people in the city. Like, they're the guys with the skinny jeans, and they're the guys with the baggy jeans in the, in the inner city. There are um, Hispanic people in the city, and there are Asian people in the city, and there are rich people and poor people in the city. And what would it look like for us to come together in unity and diversity, get a group of kids between the age of 18 and 25, and begin to write music together to tell a new story. This has been one of the most transformative things in our community. And, and, and as I close, I just want to share a story about how this has kind of worked out, this theology has worked out in practice. Um, you know, a few years ago, in one of the first series of the story of, like, you know, a white person, a white-looking person carrying a young black, killing a young black man, um, a few years ago, the Trayvon Martin story was a really hard thing for our community. 
And when I tell you our, our community is diverse, there's some people that felt like nothing was wrong with what happened, and there were other people that felt like, man, this is, this is part of the same old story that's been going on for the past 400 years. And, you know, to be honest, if we had a discussion or a debate about it, um, it could really divide our community. If we did not talk about it at all, it could also divide our community. So what we decided to do on a worship service, it was the Sunday after the verdict came out. We just opened it up for a community prayer. And there was this blonde hair, blue-eyed, white sister who began to start to pray. And her prayer started, she started to kind of like sniffle a little bit and her voice began to crack. And then, you know, she, she just started full out wailing. And in the midst of her wailing, it really began to heal my heart of a lot of the pain that I've experienced as an African-American male being humiliated with my interactions with police. I didn't even know I needed healing in that way. And, and her getting into that experience and, and really feeling it helped me to, you know what, there's somebody that's different than me that can really understand to some level what I've been experiencing as an African-American male in, in America. The song I'm about to share with you is a song that was written out of our community through this internship program. And we just said, you know what, there isn't music. A piece of dry land uh, is, there, there aren't music that kind of gives expression to the brokenness that's going on in the world, particularly in the Christian music scene. Everything's happy. Jesus came, and then now everything's fine. You know, that's, that's what most of the songs say. And that just isn't a lot of people's reality. Actually, that's most people, it's not most people's reality. Um, we're all in this process of being pilgrims on our way to the city of God. And there's a lot of brokenness on this journey. And so we debuted this song, kind of giving voice to uh, some of the things we were feeling in our heart. And as soon as the song was over, there was some silence. And that silence ended up being broken with just the community crying and wailing together. Now, again, there were people who were all along the spectrum of this issue. There were people that watched Fox News all day, people that watched CNN all day, people that don't watch news at all. But we were able to experience some fresh water and a dry land by experiencing unity and diversity together. So I'm going to play a song. I'm going to play this song. And what I would love for you to do as a reflection is ask God to show you areas in your community where there are areas of dry land, where, where ways that you all can begin to experience more diversity and, and begin to work through unity and diversity in your community so that people can know that there's a God that is aware of the brokenness in the world and is wanting to do something about it. You can tell people all you want, but people don't want to hear about the kingdom of God until they see the kingdom of God. So in this moment of time of silence, just please reflect and just see what the Spirit has to say to you.
I just want to uh, thank David for uh, sharing. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the things that we have fought for from the beginning in being a church. We wanted to be something different. We wanted to be the type of church that God created us to be, and that's a church of diversity. And I believe that the more diverse we become, the more we become the church that God created us to be. And so I'm uh, just really grateful to David. If you